Ten minutes after 9 a.m. Good morning to you. I'm Andy Griffin. This is the Andy Griffin Show on News Radio 949-890-KDXU. I love to have a, really a, a variety of guests in, and uh, often it's a, a serious topic. Sometimes it's a fun topic. Today, very serious topic, as Mike Miller is in here from the Alzheimer's Association. Uh, you're the direct, director down here in southern Utah, right, Mike? That's correct, Andy. Yes, I am. I'm the regional manager for a five-county area. Now, tell us a little bit. Uh, we know about the disease a little bit, but let's start with talking about the association a little bit. What is it you guys do uh, and kind of how you're set up? All right. We are a national nonprofit. We have 80 chapters throughout America. And wow. one of those chapters covers the whole state of Utah. And uh, so I'm part of that group. We have eight staff members up in the Salt Lake area serving the northern part of the state and then way down here in the outpost of St. George. <laughs> I'm uh, the regional manager serving this five-county area. And, you know, we're a, a long-standing organization founded in 1980. And throughout that time, we've pushed ourselves real heavily into research to help eradicate the disease, find ways to support caregivers and family members. We want to support anyone affected by the disease, and that includes the individual as well. We're uh, big on uh, support for caregivers mm -hmm. and providing education and resources to healthcare professionals, and then awareness out in the community. That's, that's one of the uh, big challenges we face because as a lot of as I like to tell a lot of people, Alzheimer's is one of those diseases where the voices get real low and people go, shh, let's not talk about this. Yeah. Let's keep it quiet. Yeah. And, and that's the worst thing you can do when uh, there's uh, an issue like this at hand. You know, you, you talked about caregivers, and uh, I, I would imagine now I haven't I haven't had anybody really close to me uh, come down with Alzheimer's and, and get that terrible disease, but I just can't imagine the pain that that the emotional pain that a caregiver must go through, knowing, uh, you know, I, I have had friends and loved ones who have had strokes where they've forgotten your name, they don't remember anything about your past, and Alzheimer's is, is a similar type thing. And I just imagine that that's something that really. Uh, we need to talk about a little bit and, 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 and understand that these people, maybe someone you've been married to for 30, 40, 50, 60 right. years, all of a sudden they can't even remember your name. That's the tragedy. Um, unfortunately, this is the disease where your loved one dies twice. Mm. Once when they forget who you are, and then secondly, when, uh, when they leave this earth. And it, it is a challenge, particularly if you've had a long-term relationship and you're still caring for the loved one, but you aren't remembered. Yeah. And just think about that. I mean, it, 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 it's a mental challenge, but it's a very heavy physical challenge, too. And, and the journey offers many twists and turns. And like having your first child, you, you don't have a training record to reflect on or, or draw upon to, to know what to do. Yeah, man, oh man, it's it just it's scary to me to, to think about something like that happening. Let's let's go back to the beginning of of what Alzheimer's is. Uh, everybody, oh, it's a disease where you forget stuff, and and that's I mean that's that's what your layman's uh, definition sure, of it. Sure. And we even make jokes about it when you forget something. Oh, I must be coming down with Alzheimer's, or some people call it old timers, or got it. or whatever. <laughs> uh, is that a misconception? Is is that? I, I mean, do we do we kind of misunderstand what Alzheimer's is? Well, I'll back up with one key point and then jump into what you mentioned, which is right on track. Alzheimer's is a form of dementia. Mm -hmm. Dementia is a broad-based term for sure. uh, many types of diseases, Alzheimer's being one of those. It's the most prominent type of dementia with 60 to 80 percent of the diagnosed cases. And Alzheimer's attacks uh, short-term memory first, mm -hmm. the hippocampus area of your brain, and that is why uh, somebody might 
continue to repeat something they just told you five minutes ago or not remember your name. You know, that that short-term memory is what's uh, eroding as, as the disease progresses through. Wow. Uh, is there... Uh uh, some warning signs for Alzheimer's? I mean, I forget stuff. Everyone forgets stuff. I mean, what, is there a trigger? Is there something that we should look for? Certainly. And, um, you know, as we age, we're going to forget things. Our brain is just filled with much more information. It right. takes a while to sort through that. So, you know, you might forget somebody's name and then a half hour later you remember it or you can't remember who was in a movie or, oh, is it Thursday or Friday? Right. Those are pretty common as we get older. But the difference comes into play with uh, w- what actually you're forgetting. So, yeah, we all forget our keys, right? Where do we lay them down? We eventually find them. But if you find them in the freezer, that's, that's an issue to be worried about because that is not where you would normally find them. Or I've heard of people finding their clothes in the microwave. They mistook the microwave for the dryer. So what's okay. going on here? What, what, what's taking place? And if you suspect somebody is uh, exhibiting some unusual behaviors, make a little journal. Start making notes. Maybe they, um, instead of saying, hey, uh, I, I can't find my watch, they, they look down at their wrist and they say, where's my uh, clock handle? Uh-huh. They're making up a word to describe something that has a regular word, but they can't remember the word watch. So wow. they're having trouble with normal uh, vocabulary and, and uh, planning and processing. Do we know, do, as we studied this disease, you're talking about finding a cure and stuff, do we know what what's causing it, what, where, where the receptors are missing, how that works? Sure. Um, you know, this disease was discovered back in 1905 by wow. Alois Alzheimer. So we're thinking... Oh, more than 100 years. How come we haven't made a whole lot of progress? And that's what makes this very challenging. Identified back then were um, plaques and tangles. These are proteins that lodge up in the neural receptors up in the brain. And the, the feeling here is that those uh, are kind of blocking the transmission of electronic movement and uh, other transmissions in the brain. And that slows down the functionality of the brain. And so a lot of the uh, research is focused on getting rid of those plaques and tangles uh, once they are there or making sure they don't get there in the first place. And there just hasn't been uh, a breakthrough in regard to either of those processes. Hmm. So we kind of shift to some lifestyle issues to uh, keep your brain healthy, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit. So you're saying at this point there is no cure yet. That's right. This is the one disease out of the top 10 in America that takes lives, that has no cure hmm. and no treatment to slow it down. The one out of the top 10. So you're talking about wow. cancer, you're talking about heart disease, you're talking about AIDS. And uh, that just brings it up to a high level of importance to be aware of what support is needed, keeping research, pushing forward, and pushing hard because almost 6 million people in America have the disease, 50 million worldwide. Do you feel like there's someone, is there someone out there getting close? Are they making some inroads a little bit as far as finding a cure? I I, I can't say I've got, here's a research that's uh, making super great progress. I mean, we we push forward on research and due to our lobbying and and efforts through state and federal areas, there's now $2 billion um, allocated to the National Institutes of Health for research projects. Mm -hmm. And that was the tipping point for cancer research, for HIV, AIDS research. So now we're up with the big boys with that amount of money, and that's just a breakthrough in the last six months. 
So we feel now that makes it a little bit more viable for the research teams to work on these processes and projects. And, you know, it's an international effort. Scientists and researchers are working all over the world to look at these issues and others. I mean, they look at diet, they look at um, cannabis, they look at all kinds of things that might slow down the process, the progression, right. might give some uh, support to those with the disease as well. But we, uh, the breakthroughs haven't, haven't been uh, forthcoming very, very high. Mm, not yet. Oh, well, we'll uh, you know, hopefully we'll, the funding will help. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll um, get our fingers crossed, and you never know when there's going to be a breakthrough, I suppose. Right. Um, we, we'll talk about some lifestyle points that I think yeah. will enlighten the audience in, in a couple of minutes, but there are some things you can do definitely on that side of things to re reduce your chances of, of getting Alzheimer's. I have a question that, that uh, I think I'm not the only one that wonders this, but everybody says Alzheimer's is an old person disease. Is it exclusively uh, limited to people who are you know, my age or older? Yes, it is, it is not. There is a, uh, a type of Alzheimer's called young onset, and that is for really anybody under 65 that would be diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and that can go down to an age as low as 30. Wow. And so that's rather unusual, but there's about 200,000 individuals in America with young onset Alzheimer's, and um, th that's a group that you just have to think about. They haven't hit the 65, the golden years yet. Yeah. And now we've got this diagnosis, they're in the prime of their career, have a family, and now we've got Alzheimer's to work through, and that really is a different dynamic in a, in a family setting. Scary stuff, absolutely oh, yes. scary stuff. Yes. And, and, and boy, I like what you said earlier in the show, that it's the only disease where you, you're, the person dies twice, basically, mm -hmm. because they, they are, they're not dead to you, but their memory is gone, and so the, the life that they had and that you had with them is dead or is gone. You got it. That's a, that's just scary to think it's, about. It, it, it's hard to imagine. I've not been in those shoes, but many have. And I think in, until you're there, you just can't grasp the um, the isolation and the dynamic that, that you're faced with. But uh, with many diseases of this type, you think it's got to be hereditary. There's got to be something in your DNA that, that is a major cause to that. Is that correct? There is a gene that has been uh, identified. It's the AP. O4E gene. Okay. We won't get too technical. Yeah, I was going to say, I was say you lost expertise. me on that, but I, I agree. But that can be uh, shown uh, and passed through generations. But like the gene for red hair, that doesn't mean the next person down the line will have red hair. So the uh, the, the the highest precursor or, or known factor that contributes to getting the, the disease is age. And just some numbers to startle the audience. One, one in 10 at age 65 will have Alzheimer's. That's a lot. And one in three at 85 and older has Alzheimer's. Wow. Not always diagnosed. It can be a very slow-progressing disease. It can be aggressive. You may have symptoms that aren't showing very heavily, and you could have those for 18 months, two years. You could have the disease for 2, 10, 20 years. It's just... It, it's just so unusual how it um, um, manifests itself, individual journeys, and the dynamics of it. It's, it's very interesting. Well, and if you factor in the fact that our, our life expectancy has gotten longer and longer, you, you might say, you know, 50 mm -hmm. years ago, life expectancy was in mid-60s, and you say, well, there wasn't that much Alzheimer's. Well, there weren't that many old people either. Now we're living traditionally 80s and into our 90s, and that increases, like you said, one in three after, what was it, the age of 85? One in three over 85, yes. Wow. 
So, uh, yeah, it's something that, uh, boy, we've got to figure out what to do about that. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about uh, about some of the uh, ways to maybe minimize the, mm-hmm. the odds of getting it. We do have a caller on the line. Are you okay with taking a call, oh, yes. Mike? And uh, uh, Seth is is traditionally one of our first callers of the day, and Seth is here and wants to, wants to make a comment. Seth, how are you this morning? Thank you for stating my name because I can't remember it. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> and I, I'm an herbalist. I, I research and study herbal uh, cures, and I research carefully. And uh, the herbalists say that ginkgo biloba um, diminishes this uh, kind of uh, response, but I can't remember to take it. Well, that's a, that's a joke. I get it. Pump pump. <laughs> okay. Uh, n- no drum rolls or anything, you know. Uh, do you know what critics have for breakfast every morning? No. What do Caustic you... soda. Caustic soda. There we go. Yes. Um, I have first-hand experience. My favorite uncle, uh, the light of my life, uh, was married to a beautiful stewardess and, and very professional woman and... About 65, she developed uh, Alzheimer's, and she didn't know who her beloved husband was. That sounds so painful. Mm. And then the last time I saw him, he had two black eyes, bruises from head to toe. He couldn't stand the idea of putting her in a facility somewhere where um, they could care for her. And she became uh, very violent, and every day of his life, he had to spend the first part of the day trying to explain to his beloved wife that he was her husband. And so I am very concerned about it, and uh, uh, this was his um, um, uh, uh, married wife, so not genetically related, but... I see it happening. My uh, my wor- wife works at the uh, as a CNA in one of the uh, rest homes here, and uh, she comes home with bruises and those kinds of things too because the patient hit her. That is is a behavior that I've heard about, Seth, where individuals kind of get aggressive, and, and part of that is is our protective nature if we feel cornered if we're startled by loud noises or if situations provide a mystery to us and and we want to survive we go into this physical behavior where i'm fighting because i'm fighting for my life right and then there's somebody in front of you and then they take the brunt of that punch or 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 that kick or whatever and so that doesn't always uh, manifest itself with individuals with alzheimer's but it can and, and sometimes does I've heard of stories where there's two sisters in a car and they're driving and all of a sudden one of the sisters just starts screaming and yelling at her sister she's known all her life, hitting her, and it just comes out of the blue. And that was the first real indicator of the disease. So it, it is not uncommon for that physical abuse element to come into play and that just, it, it's probably a, a, a stage in the disease progression where professional help is needed and unfortunately, as you've mentioned, Sometimes those in the profession take uh, take some physical abuse as well, and that's what makes this very challenging. Can you give us one tip about lifestyle or diet or exercise or oxygen uptake or um, 
uh, anything, just one top idea that would uh, that we could practice so that we might avoid this. Now, I watched a show yesterday about the future of AI, and apparently uh, the uh, whiz kids on the block, the scientists on TED Talk, mm. um, indicated that we would have nanobots in our bloodstream who would correct these kind of things and take you and Andy and put you back to 30 or 22 <laughs> or whatever <laughs> age okay. you wanted to be, and, <laughs> and your hair would all grow back, and it'd be, you'd be strong and muscular and handsome again. And now, then, now, uh, now, Seth, both Mike and I have a full head of hair, so we don't have to go there. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, 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 thank you. Uh, that really hurts for an old man that's bald. So, um, anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. Is there, is there one strategy you might recommend? There is, and thanks for being my shill in the audience today. Thank you. Yeah. I'm a shill all day long. <laughs> Thank I, I, you. I'll you, be in the area all week. You actually stole my next question, so good job, Seth. Appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> so here it is. Uh, no drum roll, but the number 120. Keep that in mind. That's a 120. 120. Okay. That's your systolic blood pressure number. Okay. And keeping your blood pressure below that, either medically or on your own, has, uh, has been shown to reduce mild cognitive impairment 30 to 35 percent, and that mild cognitive impairment is the gateway to Alzheimer's. Hmm. So keeping your blood pressure down reduces hypertension, reduces stress on the brain, and you know make that a lifetime habit. And Seth, you may be over that mark of 29. It's still not too late to practice. And, uh, you know, you only ask for one, but I'm going to give you double your money. Here's the second thing that's really important. May I comment on number one? Go for it. Yeah. I do not like to take uh, lisinopril and a thousand other <laughs> drugs. And so I have been carefully researching. I mentioned herbs. And I found that the hibiscus tea uh, is what the Chinese use to... Uh, keep blood pressure in check. It's sort of sour, kind of tasting. They call it sour tea. And uh, I have a, as a matter of fact, I'm drinking a 16 ounces of it right this moment. And it does modify and, and reduce my blood pressure to within acceptable ranges uh, without any chemical side effect and addiction kind of things where if there's a crisis of some time and I can't get my lisinopril or my blood pressure medicine, I have quantities of, of uh, hibiscus tea. I buy the entire flower down in Las Vegas in Chinatown, hmm. and the Chinese doctor recommends it and gave me a big hug, as a matter of fact, <laughs> for a Caucasian coming in and getting hibiscus flowers. The, the hug was free, though. Huh? <laughs> yes, it was, and she was quite pleased with me. So, anyhow, uh, and number two, sir. Yes, number two is exercising your brain and, and being active, learning new things. And so when people say, well, what does that mean, Mike? I say, that doesn't just mean working on a crossword puzzle and pulling up words you already have in your memory to fill in the blanks. It literally means learning something new, such hmm. as the piano or a new language or a dance. It means exercising your brain because when you do 
when you go through this process of learning something new, you build n- new pathways, neurological pathways in your brain, and those new pathways won't have those plaques and tangles like the older pathways do. So learning new things, whether it be language, algebra, music, learning to paint, and being socially active keeps your brain moving uh, joyful inside, even though you may not see it dancing and smiling, it is, and that's a great uh, lifestyle point to uh, practice. I was I was reading a couple of studies yesterday uh, about the arts uh, a little bit, and and yeah, learning a, learning a new instrument, oh, yes. uh, or, or or even learning to sing parts uh, at at an advanced age, and you know, I'm talking my age on up, is a, a fantastic uh, uh, health tip for seniors it's it's something yes. that can really really help them in so many ways as you mentioned it, it could even help fend off uh, fend off alzheimer's that's incredible how about if you call in on the radio and talk about every subject i think that takes brain cells away actually Seth. <laughs> uh, it, it could be toxic because rf radiation will cook the brain just like microwaves in your cell phone yeah, yeah. we might look into cell phones who radiate the entire head and, and wonder if maybe we're being cooked by our cell phone. Well, Seth, I've got to get a weather break in, and we'll be back with uh, with more. Thank from, you so much, Andy. Thanks for calling in thanks today. Thanks for your call. We'll be back with uh, more with uh, Mike Miller from the Alzheimer's Association right after this timeout. Good morning, Andy Griffin with you, the Andy Griffin Show. I'm on today with Mike Miller from the uh, Southern Utah chapter. He's the, uh, now help me again, what's the name of your title? Regional Manager. Regional Manager of the Alzheimer's Association here in Southern Utah. And uh, and Mike actually sent me a letter last week, and I got the letter, and I'm like, you know what, that would be a great topic to have on the show. We were talking a little bit about prevention. What can we do to prevent Alzheimer's in our uh, our own selves? All right. Just before the break, we mentioned keeping blood pressure below 120 through medication or just proper uh, health. That is key. We've shown that to be uh, uh, reducing mild cognitive impairment by 25, 30 percent, and uh, that's good. So secondarily, we're also talking about exercising your brain. Talked about that. So three other things. Fueling up right. Having a great diet. That's important. Mm. And you know, no no food by itself is going to make anybody a superhero or superwoman. <laughs> but, you know, the, a good diet, food in moderation. And earlier you were saying 25 cups of coffee a day is just fine, Andy. Well, so no, I, no, I didn't say it was fine. <laughs> I was saying according to this. Least, okay. least, you know how those studies are. You I can, know. You can study almost study. anything and turn it your way. But, uh, yeah. So Mediterranean <laughs> diet obviously is known for uh, longevity in, in people in, in Europe and, and in that region. And we, we promote that, you know, eating a healthy diet with a good balance and, you know, a wide variety of food from that rainbow of colors. You can't go wrong. So the less uh, processed, the better off you are. I was just going to say, has there been any studies in linking, you know, some of this processed stuff we eat from, from a Twinkie to a, you know, a, a, a box of bologna or, or whatever, <laughs> hot dogs? Has there been any linkage to that? I don't have any information that uh, would validate anything that's the worst thing in the world or bad things to eat right. it just gravitates towards what's positive what's healthy well and, and if you uh, go back to what you were saying about you know keeping your blood pl- blood pressure low and things like mm-hmm. that uh, if you want your blood pressure to be low you know assesses take you know what, what was it hi- hibiscus or something but really it's more it's more about being in in good shape walking getting out there being active the exercise that yeah. that's key too because you're exercising moves those uh 
moves your blood, moves the oxygen, and, and when your blood is moving, it works like a little cleaning vehicle. Mm-hmm. It's pulling out toxins and other things as it circulates through the body. So exercising is important. It oxygen, oxygenates your brain, which is where the thinking goes on and all the control and activity for your whole body. So keep your brain uh, full of oxygen by exercising and being active every day. Put it in your calendar. Get out and do something for an hour. And they say that's really important once you retire. Make that your daily appointment. Yeah. Daily, not once a week or five minutes a day. Every day, an hour of exercise. Keep it going. We all go to work every single day, you know, until we retire. Now now you can say your work is to get up and get some exercise. Your work is to yeah. keep you healthy and active. Mm-hmm. So here's the, the last of the five that I'll bring up, and we have more if you want to contact me. But it's uh, getting the proper amount of sleep at night. Oh, yeah. So that's a tough one. It is tough. And <laughs> so, you know, people have sleep apnea and other things. They're not sleeping fully through the night. When you're sleeping, your body is repairing things, hmm. such as your eyes and, and your brain as well and that rest is important because your body has to recalibrate and get ready for the next battle which is the next day so getting that full amount of sleep those deep rem uh, time periods is really crucial you can look at the studies that tells you that better sleep gives you better health and uh, a healthy brain is what you want so that sleep is important we have Dr. Blodgett on the show occasionally. He's a head of Southwest yes. Utah Public Health, and he is a big proponent of getting enough sleep. He said Americans, about 95% of us, do not get the right amount of sleep, and, and that's something we need to work on. I, one of my challenges, Mike, is is uh, I, I've had a couple of back surgeries. I can't really lay in bed longer than about five or six hours. My back hurts and it, okay. to the point where it interrupts my sleep, and I have to get up and, and you know go sit somewhere else or go move or, or whatever. So uh, certainly I, I understand there are people out there with challenges about getting enough sleep. Sometimes it's not that you're not going to bed on time or you, you have to get up. Sometimes it's it just kind of painful to lay in bed. Pain issues and other things. Uh, do whatever you can to figure out yeah. the right process, and maybe it's just sleeping the lazy boy in a in that position rather than flat on a on a mattress. Good but call. Yeah. Check check with your physician and uh, see what options there are because that uh, deep sleep is really important to uh, proper health. So exercise your body, exercise your brain, mm-hmm. uh, fuel up, right? That means having a good diet, uh, yes. sleep enough, and then learning new things. I think that last one, it, it fascinates me because a lot of us figure, you know, say I have a career. I've had a career in sports and media for, for uh, what, 29 years. <laughs> and and uh, for me, it's like, well, I, I learned everything I need to know in life, you know, to, to get through. I've learned how to make enough money to support my family and things like that. Uh, I think if we can continue trying trying to learn in our in our golden years that's a huge one and and it's maybe not necessarily that easy sometimes either because we want to rest on our laurels well that's right and and so the miller family we go to a singing group on saturday mornings you sing for an hour it's called uh sing to live sing to live and and they know and it started out as a group for people that were cancer survivors Mm -hmm. mental attitude and exercising your lungs gets that brain going my wife plays three or four instruments that she's only learned in the last six months. So she's That's preparing That's you know, incredible. clarinet and the flute and the violin and the piano. So uh, I applaud her. And that, that's an example to follow. Learn new things. I was once a, a pretty good saxophone player back, mm. back in the day. But it's been about 30 years since I've really picked up the saxophone and done anything with it. And maybe that's something I need to think about uh, picking up again. You got it. Yeah. Get yeah. that sax do, out. Do you play anything, Mike? I play the drums if nobody's watching. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're probably still better than me at the, at the drums. Uh, all right. Uh, 
I know you have some events coming up. Let's do this. Let's get one more break in. And when we come back, we'll talk about some of the events you have coming up. We also want to talk about caregivers and, and how you support them in ways that Perfect. Uh, they really, really need help. So we'll do that when we come right back. All right. Great. Thanks, Mike. Uh, it is 943 on News Radio 949890 KDX. You do want to mention Joe Shoney. Joe Shoney is a, a proud sponsor of the show here on uh, News Radio 949890 KDX. Joe is a mortgage specialist. He's a loan specialist focusing on customer services. Phone number is 590-6300, 590-6300. You can email Joe at joe.shoney at nafinc.com. That's nafinc. Excuse me. That's joe.shoney, S-C-H-O-N-E-Y at nafinc.com. And uh, he's got five stars. His average review is 4.8, which is uh, actually 4.9. It went up. His average review is 4.9. And you look, he's got just got dozens and dozens of five star reviews uh here's velvet in uh, enix said uh, joe and his team are awesome second loan they've done for me they get it done quick this is kevin in tokerville he said the team was pleasant to work with and the response time for questions or documentation was in a timely manner that's joe shoney a proud sponsor here on news radio 94 9 890 kdx we'll be right back welcome back to the andy griffin show i'm with mike miller who is the uh, regional director of the Alzheimer's. I'm, I'm going to get that title right eventually. I hope so, yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thanks for coming in, Mike, and spending a regional manager. That was the word I was looking for. It's all good. Yeah. So uh, Alzheimer's or Alzheimer's, which way is the correct way to say it? Do we know? We uh, accept either one of those ways. Either way. Okay. Yes, and it's Miller or Myler. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Uh, I was looking at the, I, I looked at this yesterday and I was like astounded at some of the numbers. Seven point nine trillion dollars in medical and care costs associated associated with Alzheimer's, and this number blew me away too. Five point seven million Americans are living with Alzheimer's, and uh, there are millions of people unpaid caregivers for people who have Alzheimer's. And let's talk a little bit about the caregiver. Uh, we, we talked a little bit earlier in the show about the heartbreak that that is involved mm-hmm. with that, and and Seth even mentioned sometimes it. You can even have to deal with with violence, uh, you know, an Alzheimer who, a person who forgets who you are, and and right. you know the kind of the fight or flight thing. They they, yes. they 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 don't know who you are, and you're you're helping them get dressed or undressed, and of course they're going to be a little bit uh, panicked. But let's talk about caregivers. What kind of support do you guys provide for uh, a caregiver of someone with Alzheimer's? All right. Yes, uh, as you mentioned, there's about a three to one ratio unpaid caregiver to mm. to a loved one with with the uh, disease. So support groups are very key. When a person can sit in a group and chat with others going through the same experience, it's cathartic, you know. You can uh, identify with individuals, make some friends outside of your home to communicate with, and that is very important. We have five support groups here in St. George, plus there's uh, one up in Cedar City and one in Kanab. Those are crucial. We're looking at forming some more uh, Support groups, we only operate one of those groups out of the seven I mentioned. Other organizations are here in the uh, south, southern uh, Utah area as well. So here's a great tip for you. Jot down this phone number. Get something ready. It's 800-272-3900. One more time, 800-272-3900. That's the Alzheimer's 24-7 helpline. And this is for somebody that just has a question off the top of their head and they want to ask about hibiscus tea and is that good for blood pressure? Mm-hmm. You'll probably get an answer on that call <laughs> by calling that number. It's, it's staffed by licensed uh, 
social social workers who are skilled in in uh, treatment and care ideas you could be a healthcare professional somebody in a crisis moment at 2 a.m. and you don't know what to do with your loved one call that number i mean if it's extremely emergency situation call 911 but otherwise if you're just feeling frustrated and depressed you can call that number and talk to uh, high level people who will answer your questions and i know they are good i've heard stories where they've coached a caregiver on getting their husband into the shower to get a bath and they hadn't had one for three months, hmm. and our team helped them through that process, so it's very good. Um, here's another great tip, and just remember to communicate in the language of improvisation. So what does that mean, the language of improvisation? It means that the reality of the person is what they're expressing to you. They could be back 30 years in high school. They could be in a war setting, in a work environment. They're going to maybe not remember who you are, but whatever they say, you go with it. You say, yes, honey, and tell me more about that. Mm-hmm. To argue with somebody in this, uh, with Alzheimer's means two people are going to get very frustrated, and you're going to start shouting at each other, and nobody's going to be happy. So you just roll with it. You improvise and do your best in that circumstance and make it work. So somebody says the other day, so Mike, is it okay to lie to somebody? Hmm. Well, listen to this. So let's say you're working with your mom or grandmother and their spouse, their husband died years ago. And they come up to you and they say, uh, so Mary, where, where, where's Johnny? When's Johnny coming back? You could say, mom, Johnny's dead. He's never coming back. That doesn't seem very productive. No. <laughs> while it's the truth, it's not going to help anybody. And while you maybe have heard that question 25 times, you just say something like, you know, Johnny went to the store. He's going to be back in an hour or so. And then your mother feels comfortable. She feels safe. She's not worried about where Johnny is. You put her at ease. So, yeah, I told my kids let's not tell any lies. But in this circumstance, it is the best thing to do. And remember that, the language of improvisation. Language of improvisation. And I think probably the key as part of that is to try to keep the the Alzheimer's patient, the person you love, calm. Keep them from getting upset and and scared and panicked. Yes, because when you get into that mode, what do we all do? We start fighting back. We want to get out of that situation. We want to bust out of it and, and yeah. get more comfortable. So let's keep the calmness down, keep everything even keel, and meet the needs of those we love by uh, communicating where they're at. I had an experience, uh, oh, it's been a few months now, but uh, uh, a person I knew who uh, was having some false memories. Basically, they, they were really into reading books and stuff, and they had started integrating some of the stuff they learned in the books into their real lives, and they made some accusations that were clearly not true. But okay. I, it was the first time in my life I had experienced that, and, and I, I really didn't know what to do. I, I kind of went along with her and said I'd check on things and, and put her off a little bit. But Good. It, Good. Was a, it was a scary situation for me because, like, wh- what do I do here? Right. I've heard of that type of incident or people who watch TV and then the TV becomes their reality. Yeah. So if they're watching a lot of crime shows or war scenes, they could start to think that you know there's a disaster or high-level uh, mm. emergency coming at them. So a word to the wise, if uh, your loved one has Alzheimer's, you may want to look at the programming and keep it more Hallmark Channel or something <laughs> a little uh, little less uh, active so that uh, yeah. there's a calmness and, and a brightness to what they're seeing. We have another caller on the line. Mike, you uh, you ready to take another call here? Yes, sir. Absolutely. All right. Caller, you're on with Andy and with Mike Miller from the Alzheimer's Association. How are you today? Are you there? <laughs> 
Hello. Yes, I'm here. Can oh, you here hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Hello? Now. Yes. I don't know if you've covered it or not, but have you uh, covered statin drugs? We have not covered that, and I'm not going to be able to give you a, a really great response. I can, I can share that drugs that individuals are prescribed with Alzheimer's help eliminate or control the symptoms that are exhibited. They're not slowing down the disease. or No, I understand it. that. Okay. Well, what I'd like to bring into that is cholesterol. And what is the most essential element needed for our existence in each cell? You, you it's cholesterol. Me. Oh, cholesterol. We okay. are made of cholesterol. Cholesterol okay. is the essential, vital element to keep us alive. And cholesterol is necessary for the brain because, as you know, brain is made of protein and fat. And so there are good fats that are needed. And cholesterol is really not the problem, but mm. it is sugar. Okay. And I say this because I spoke with one of your top cardiologists here in southern Utah, and we had a debate. Is it cholesterol or is it sugar? And he admitted it was the sugar industry won out and to be left alone. And so it is sugar that causes the majority of our diseases because it causes inflammation and everything starts with the, the gut. So in that, if you eliminate the sugar and minimize that because the sugar causes your brain to think it's got to build, build, build and then artificially builds more cholesterol than you need. So it's very simple, and most people can't relate to simple, but sugar is the common killer of all of us, and I just think that needs to be put in. There's no such thing as HDL or LDL, because those are the carriers of the cholesterol itself. Yeah, the, so cholesterol is cholesterol is cholesterol. The biggest anyway, problem is... Yeah, well, thank you for the call. The biggest problem is sugar is so delicious. Yes. <laughs> it's, well, it's, it's hard to resist. Alternate sugars, you know, stevia, natural sugars. Yeah. And so you can't say, oh, my, because it's because we like it. Well, it's called, you have to make a choice. It's poison. Bottom line, poison. Mm. It will call. kill you. Good anyway, point. want to let you know that. It's very simple. And breathing, slow breathing, deep breathing can really mellow out your acidity and your alkaline in your body just by breathing so it alkalizes you. Anyway, think about those things, gentlemen. Have okay. a good day, and thank you so much. Thanks for the call. Good to Great talk to you. Great sharing. Thank you. We have uh, actually another caller on, so we might as well go to line two. We've got about three minutes left. Caller, you are on with Andy with Mike Miller from the Alzheimer's Association. Yeah, hi. Uh, yeah, I'm familiar with your programs. Um, I went to a uh, aging activity last Friday, and um, they talked about uh, dancing and uh, singing and um, we've gone to the uh, senior center, and they're too advanced. I'm wondering if there's a program more simplified that we could attend. So you're asking if there is a maybe a low-key starting out dancing program, and I'm not aware of one. I know there's some uh, swing dancing programs that Dixie State offers through their continuing ed programs. And then uh, also over at the, um, oh, in Washington on Telegraph Road, there's the old dance hall. That's a little more of an advanced swing dance class. So I'm unable to say, yeah, here's, here's a program that uh, is a weekly dance lesson, but that's definitely a great idea. Maybe somebody listening can uh, 
identify that for us, call the Alzheimer's office. Uh, my office number here in St. George is 435-238-4998. I'd like to know about that so we can share it with uh, folks we uh, come in contact with. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, we go to a caregiver meeting at the library on Wednesday, and there's a youth group, a little kids group there, and they're singing, like, touch my toes, lean over, and I'm <laughs> saying, that's perfect for what I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah, except I can't touch my toes anymore, so I'd be out of that one. <laughs> Thank you for the call today. Appreciate it. Okay, bye. See you later. Uh, we're down to about two minutes left, Mike, and I want to make sure we get in, get all your contact information, all the resources available for people who maybe the start of Alzheimer's, maybe someone who was a caregiver right now or someone who feels like maybe Alzheimer's is, is in their future. Give, give us whatever resources you can, Mike. All right. It's the 90-second dash. <laughs> Again, I'll just uh, reiterate the phone number, 435-238-4998. That's to my office here in St. George. We've got the 800 helpline to the national helpline, 800-272-3900. ALZ.org is the national website. That is more information. It's almost like a library of Congress mm-hmm. of information about Alzheimer's and many things. You know, Andy, we do have a short second or two. We've got some great events this month, which is Alzheimer's and Brain Awareness Month. And I just want to highlight two. And that is on the afternoon of June 20th. There's going to be a film fest opening up with a new film called When All That's Left is Love, and it'll be at the Electric Theater. It's part of the Desertscape International Film Festival. It's, it's won an award already. It's an independent film talking about the language of love from caregivers. I'm excited to be a part of that and want to see it showcased here on June 20th. The next day, June 21st, the longest day, our executive director for the chapter, Ronnie Daniel, will present uh, the Alzheimer's epidemic at select health auditorium 10 a.m on june 21st 424 east foremaster drive in st george we're also able to do customized presentations to groups churches businesses caregivers even just a home association love to come out talk to you share more in depth you've just heard the tip of the iceberg today and andy you're great to have me here well, I, I appreciate you coming in, and I honestly feel like this is a, a, an area that, like you said, people tend to whisper and not really talk about, it, but it needs yes. to be talked about. This has got to be something that we've got we've to take on head on, and I, I, I admire you. Kudos to you for uh, dedicating your life right now in, in, in helping in this, in this area. Thank you, Andy. It's a pleasure, and uh, we're here to help, and we know there's a lot of need, so give us a call. All right, thank you. Mike Miller from the Alzheimer's Association. He's the regional manager here in southern Utah, and uh, he wants to help you. Again, that 800 number, I think that's a, that's a big one to have handy, 800-272-3900, 800-272-3900. And the website, in case you can't remember all those numbers, is an easy one, alz.org, alz.org. Thank you, Mike. All right, thank you too, Andy.